0: I realize you guys shows for the lore which seems like it actually for the lore and it almost <laughs> works
1: You're listening to For The Lore,
0: the podcast that delves in the craft of our favourite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design.
1: Joining Roger is Joe, writer from WoW Insider and World of Maticus, and Vince from Massive Nerd. Hello and welcome to For the Lord. This is Roger coming to you on Monday, the twenty-first of April. Uh, sorry, May. <laughs> Hello, wow. welcome to For the Lord. This is Roger <laughs> coming to you on. Shut up! I was doing it again. Roger's I could have edited. Traveling. All right. Anyways. Shut up, dude. I had the day off actually, and but I couldn't play Diablo 3 like the rest of the world because my freaking collector's edition is still stuck in New Jersey. Apparently, not only has wow. it not crossed the border, but somebody in Jersey is having a lot of fun with my freaking soul shard <laughs> playing D2 because they probably aren't having as much fun with Diablo 3. <laughs> but clicking on your face and Skype waiting for loot to drop, yeah. <laughs> Or would it
0: just be a it just be a set of canes i mean do you really do you really want canes if they're different looking yes i'll i'll take whatever <laughs> they can give me can <laughs> pick some awesome freaking tonfas for my monk <laughs>
1: All right. so you guys, however, have had a crap ton of time to play this now, as has everybody else. It's been funny watching a lot of the reviews, because, well, not just reviews, but reviews, comments, and everything else. Because it's damn near polar opposites. And so we're getting a lot of people that are absolutely hating it, and then a lot of people that are absolutely loving it. And I've seen very little middle of the road. Like, case in point, we bought it for my son as well, our youngest. And um, he's literally been playing it all day today and loves it. I was telling Vince, like, unconditionally like a found puppy. He just absolutely adores it and he's having so much fun. And we both played in the beta. So he kind of knew what to expect to a certain degree as well. Um, But some of the stuff that we're reading as well, and as well, I know that you, Joe, are not as fond of it. Uh, There's a lot of people that are still upset with everything that's lacking in it right now. Before we get into the lore that you're going to be talking about and whatnot, let's just talk a little bit about the actual gameplay and what we what you guys liked and did not like without wasting too much time on the server errors because that's just it's there there's nothing you can really say about it other than a it It shouldn't happen but it happens so there you go moving on
0: well honestly one of the coolest things that I like about the game is the elective mode which makes it feel a lot more like the original like Diablo 2 awesomeness, and that's where you can literally assign any skill to any of the hotkeys or the mouse buttons. The problem is it's very it's buried, so unless you go and activate it, you're incredibly restricted into what you have available to uh, to you on your bars and things like that. But if you enable that elective mode, the gameplay is actually a lot more fun. Like the functionality uh, specifically or particularly for my my demon hunter was awesome. Like at first I was like, oh, this is kind of like eh, whatever. Then I found that little button. I'm like, well, what the hell's elective mode? Click it. And then I was like, oh, I can put everything wherever the hell I want. Wow, this actually is a lot of fun now because I can use all different various skills and combinations of them and actually kind of progress my character through the world how I want to do it, which is kind of nifty to me. So I can have my minions out or I can have different skill sets and I have to worry about like, do I have the right skills for the boss fights? It just made it a lot more fluid, which I thought was really, really nice. I also really like the random dungeons every time a map spawns there are all these tons of points where there potentially is a random dungeon or a random merchant and those dungeons some of them are really really cool like I was talking to uh, you guys earlier about the one with all of the chickens that are led by the master pig. That dungeon was ridiculous when I first came across that in Act 1 on the old, uh, old Tristram Road heading to the cathedral. I was like, what the hell is this? Oh, it's a cellar. I'm going to go click there. Why are there all these chickens? Why are they all attacking me? So, you know, murdering a ton of chickens, getting a bunch of lo- – and then having an electrified main guy coming at you, uh, which happens to be a pig on all fours, which was – very very difficult and almost killed me at the bastard pig but like the random dungeons are a lot of fun and there's even like a random dungeon we were talking about this earlier where all of the game developers are zombies in that dungeon and i think that's just kind of nifty and like it's it's that it has that feel of the dungeon crawler and sort of like the quintessential dungeon crawler when you get those random dungeons and it also rewards you for exploring every square inch of that map and that's kind of important too because exploration in that game is a lot of fun as a result of it, because you never know what the hell you're going to find.
2: Yeah. uh, Beyond that, like the actual gameplay itself is just really tight and responsive, assuming the server is not lagging, which is really appreciated. And... I love how I can swap out my skills on the fly. Like, I am not dedicated to one specific build like you are in Diablo Two or, or Torchlight or other games like that. So if I know I'm going into an area where there's a certain type of enemy that I have another skill that would be better used, I can swap that out as I need. So that's very handy. But I'm still disappointed by the lack of options, if you will. Like, if you're a monk, mm-hmm. you're, all you're doing is punching <laughs> stuff. Like, no matter what weapons you have equipped, all you're doing is punching stuff. Like, they don't have animations in for, you know, maces or swords. They don't even have animations for most of the moves for using the monk-specific staff. That's really disappointing. So, like we we were saying, a lot of those different options aren't there in this, and it's disappointing, but I can't complain about what we do have.
0: I would agree with that, and I think that's one of the the major drawbacks is one of the cool things about... Diablo 2 was the way that you could vary up your character. Like, you could have a Javazon, you could have a Boazon, you could have, you know, different styles of Paladin, different styles of Barbarian. But in, where you get into these classes, the classes are sort of, uh, their templates, and they don't deviate from that template. So if you're a demon hunter, you're always going to be shooting everything. Unless you happen to randomly find Bashiok and happen to have your Rakanishu blade in your bag, you're not going to be meleeing Rakanishu. shit as a which is awesome. Which that was an awesome event. That was an awesome event, actually. There was How a much stuff that I miss in this game. A lot of stuff. There was a, okay. So in Act three, no Act and, two, and, and not two. and not for lack of
2: looking, mind you.
0: And that <laughs> just the shit it's is all random. It. It's all random. So in Act two, there's this area where you're kind of going through, and it, it looks kind of like the Act three sort of like jungle area, but it's like very swampy. And there, I came across a bunch of forgotten shamans and they were all, like, participating in this ritual, and it was, like, this big, flat top. And what they were trying to do is they were trying to summon Ishu back from the Void. And so, like, I wound up murdering them before completing the ritual, but my reward reward was Ishu's blade, and it was his actual ceremonial sword, uh, which I thought was kind of nifty. And there's an achievement, apparently, when you find Bashiok, who is the community manager for, you know, them, and for Blizzard Entertainment, one of the community managers, if you stab him or cut him once with Bashiok's blade, you get an achievement. Although I have not been able to find him. That's also like a kind of like a, a little cool thing that I thought was, was nice for their community team. All of their community team appear as random monster spawns. Whether it's Zaharim the Ashamed, which is a giant skeleton lord, uh, or Zaharim the Hammered, which was a drunk, electrified snake dude. Um, it was kind of nifty to see that they kind of added that into as sort of like a I don't want to say a thank you, but kind of like an immortalization of their community team inside of the game that they've spent so long, you know, working on. I thought that was kind of cool. And I I always think that 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 type of thing is kind of nifty.
1: Well, they've got a crapload of that. I mean, there's freaking cultural references everywhere in this thing. Oh, yeah.
2: I did find one random event where uh, for 30 whole seconds I got to partner up with the Necromancer from Diablo 2. Have you seen any other uh, tie-ins? No, I didn't hear about any of these. Yeah, this one was in Act 2 as well. Like somewhere it was in I think it was in that same area like where I had my fingers on alt and tab and I swear if I saw a freaking pygmy I was quitting the game there and then. But yeah, it was it was that same basic area, the the oasis and it was uh the necromancer from Diablo 2.
0: That is awesome. That's awesome. I you know I really really want to go through now and see if we can find anything else like that. Damn it. They're going to make me keep playing this game.
1: All right. Did either of you make it to Whimsyshire? I did. I did actually. And with
0: my, with my it, it is happiness and terrifyingly like well done. The music is so disjointing. Like it's this weird distorted eight-bit music. And it is literally like my little pony meets demonic Diablo in this sort of weird offspring of just awesome. And I don't know, but like shooting unicorns and care bears and cupcakes and dancing flowers is fucking hysterical like i had a ton of fun like i randomly i was just i was doing the auction house last night and i get a message from one of my friends he's like hey uh so i got the portal to whimsy shire i'm like let's go now so i logged in and we we cleared out whimsy shire and uh the place is it's just like eerily awesome is the best way that i can describe it like every little uh cloud you see is a loot chest um instead of like having vases to break there are like Uh, pleasantly presents which are like everywhere Um, the map looks like it was drawn by an 8 year old the cupcakes are your health globules Um, the ponies hit like a fucking truck Um, yeah it's just and some of the combinations like we did it on normal and there were uh, instead of like a nightmare where you get like the two power combination elites yeah there were two power combination elites on normal and they hurt they hurt electrified mortar that should never happen Electrified Mortar should never exist, but yet it does. (laughs) An Electrified Mortar pony was just wrecking my shit. But no, I thought it was absolutely hysterical. I thought it was a, uh, it's just really well done. And it it compares well to the cow level, I think. This is Blizzard trolling at its absolute best. It is.
2: It really is. I, I made sure to send this in because Joe said, I'm afraid to show Roger this. (laughs)
1: <laughs> uh, he had already shown me but by the time <laughs> yep. yeah you had shown me and by then the game hadn't come out yet so I wasn't sure if it was real or not and then all the videos came out the instructions and everything so then I started watching it um, but yeah no I've seen the entire video I thought it was hilarious it, again it's making fun of everybody who bitched about the the, the, the color thing. palette of the when the, the screens initially came out, so it's like, bravo, boys. <laughs> like, and it actually justifiably looks like it's actually tough at points, so it's like, okay, this will be fun. Ew. Just so, real quick, is... uh, color palette, the armor
2: dies are cool, but there's an armor die that lets you make gear invisible. invisible. So I've been rocking the entire game as a shirtless monk just because it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, I thought that was actually pretty nifty. I thought the, the, the die system was kind of cool. It's an interesting little money sink because uh, it is generally a money sink because when you get the nightmare, uh, the new dies are about a thousand gold a pop. So, dies in a loot game, that's
1: just wrong in and of itself.
2: Got it. You know you're going to replace it, but you want it to make is. it look nice. <laughs> okay, so you,
1: you've been playing a monk. Have you been playing anything else, Vince?
2: Uh, not yet, although Witch Doctor is on my radar, but I at least want to finish the game
1: on normal once before I start screwing around with alts and joe you did demon Hunter or anything else i've been playing around with the wizard a little bit you know what it's It's uh, funny because the more that i'm reading the wizard is or not starting at the wizard the witch doctor is the one that most people are actually disappointed in and really don't like as much they think that that's the one that's lacking of of the five i i because it's the one that that takes skill yeah, it takes a,
0: like. I know a lot of people that are playing it and loving the Witch Doctor, but I know a lot of people that played it and kept getting killed because they couldn't figure out how to do things on the Witch Doctor. So they just went and rolled like a barbarian. So I mean, it's definitely not a class for everybody. But it's, it reminds me very much of the Necromancer from D two. The Necromancer was not a face roll character in D two. Like he he could legitimately just be a squishy motherfucker, and the Witch Doctor is the same way. It has the potential to be very powerful if you play him right. But if you don't know what you're doing or if you just kind of lollygag about it, you're going to get squished. So, well, I mean... Th- I think I
1: it's it goes back to, to what you were saying about elective mode, which luckily most people know about. If you're Thankfully. reading up uh, yeah. on the game, at least you know it. Although my son keeps up on gaming news and things like that as well, and, and he did not know that. I actually said it for him. But when you're looking at some of these classes that do require you to be... Um, a little bit more unique in terms of how you play your spells and things like that or you have to do it a certain way if you really want to be effective more often than not, you need to be able to do whatever the hell you want and not be limited by what they tell you you can do and that's right. where you notice a big difference with a class like the uh, the Witch Doctor yeah, Case in point on the Monk, going by the default Blizzard setup,
2: I wouldn't be able to use my heal and my shield in the same build so, like, those are two
0: really, really important skills. And yeah. for, the, for the Demon Hunter, I wouldn't be able to have all of my minions with me because there are minions mm-hmm. or followers that you can summon through the Demon Hunter skill, but they take up the same slot. So, like, I wouldn't be able to have my, you know, animated Ballast Day and my Bat Companion out at the same time when I'm soloing. So,
1: yeah, it makes a huge, huge, huge difference. So that's something to keep in mind. Okay. So let's now talk a little bit about the lore and about the story, because you were saying that you went through all of that and you, you had a few opinions about it. There.
0: Okay. Act one, we're going to start from the beginning. Act one is really well done. Act 1 has tons of uh, references to not just Diablo 2, but also the Richard Knack stories. It actually ties up some loose ends in the Richard Knack stories, uh, where you learn more about the Nephilim, you learn more about uh, the angels and the demons, and what Sanctuary is. Uh, you get a whole, uh, like, this basically out really well done it's a very tight story it's you learn about the stranger you learn about the mysterious meteor that that crashed to earth which winds up being material um you you get all of this like awesome story in act one so act one really well done bravo fantastic then you get to act two i don't know what the hell happened but the minute you get to act two the story takes a fucking nosedive and it becomes very ha- like very much about the hack and slash with a splash of story thrown in, and it's almost as if it's like complete build up. Like all of act two is just build up for act three. The problem is when you get to act three, it's continued build up. So you're not really getting anywhere in the story. It's just like little breadcrumbs, little tiny breadcrumbs with no meat around them that are just leading you to the next act. And that's where it really just starts to kind of spiral down the drain. So act one, fantastically well done. Lots of tight story. I mean, you get a bunch of the past too, especially with like King Leoric. You learn a lot about him, a lot about the Nephilim. Act two, you get to hear about, you know, one of the Nephilim and hear kind of some cool stuff about him. And then everything else is just kind of like there. And I don't, I, I don't know, like, it felt very disjointed, very, uh, like, cobbled together in two, and then three was just very, very weak, and then four. Four was kind of cool, but there was almost no story in it at all. Like, act four is where, like, it's supposed to be the big climax, right? And I don't know what it is, but, like, I got to the end, and I and I beat Diablo, and I got through that entire thing, and I just sit there, and I'm just like, this feels like it was just telegraphed in. Like, it really, really does. And my problem with it is that you get through the entire game, and it just feels like the entire game from Act 2 to Act 4 was intentional setup for the next expansion, and that's it. Like, you don't you don't feel... Like, at the end of Diablo 2, you felt like a friggin' badass, because you had victory, you completed the story, you did some amazing shit. And you got an awesome, complete, total story in the first game without the, having to have the expansion. Then the expansion came along and was like, oh, you were Billy Badass, be Billy Badass again, and gave you another complete story in that expansion by itself. That was cool. Here it's just like, I feel like I'm going to have to play the expansion to finish the story. And that's not cool. Yeah, th- in my
2: experience, the story as the game presents it to you by default is, it, yeah, like you said, it's, it's very weak, but... Worse for me, it was so predictable. Like, I knew halfway through Act 2 where the entire rest of the story was going for the whole game. So that that was a big turnoff for you. However, what I do have to say, all of the side story bits they put in, yes. the, uh, the journals you find as you're questing, uh, the conversations you have with your followers in the game, that stuff is really good. And that's something Not that... Just... I, I, I'm, a significant portion of the player base is going to miss because they're yep. just clicking over the next you know show me what's next to kill. It, there there is good a lot of good story bits in there, but it's not presented to the player without the player having to seek it out.
0: No, there are lots of cool moments too with like not just your followers. Cause the followers are awesome. Like I have I've been running around with the Templar and the Templar is cool as shit. Um, he reminds me very much of the Paladin from D two, which makes me happy. But a lot of the NPCs in town, like, you can actually just wander around, and there's uh, an actual achievement for listening to all of the individual stories because there's actually a ton of them. And they'll talk about, like, lost friends, lost family. A couple of them made a lot of references to the original Tristam. There are a couple old people that were survivors from the first game. Um, a couple of people that were formerly of King Leoric's staff that show up. I mean, there's, there's a lot of cool random stuff that wind up happening in like the background. And again, most people are going to miss that. The journals, I agree with Vince, the journals were absolutely awesome.
1: So that all being said then, I'm not going to ask you to give it a rating of what you think it would be, but again, are you thinking money well spent at this point or are you terribly disgusted that you picked it up? I didn't pay a
0: lead cent for it, so money will spend for me. Now, it's a game I'll get my
2: $60 worth out of, but 75% of that is on the gameplay side and not on the uh, the game world or the story. Okay. All right. Interesting. It, my, my only motivation is to level up and get better loot, not to, you know, see some cool stuff again.
1: See, I'm, again, I, I got to play the beta, but then that was only, you know, the weekend beta thing, so I, I'm still... I liked what I played, although a large portion of that was the nostalgia of having spent so much time in D2. And so I was hoping that some of that could be recreated. Because let's be honest, I mean, the, the story in D2, yes, was phenomenal. Um, The majority of the time in the game was that clicking to gather more loot and just doing meph runs or whatever. And it was fun. It was still engaging and addictive and and fun. And I mean, I can remember when I was playing it... I, I, that's when I was with the government at that point, and the down the, the street, there was a shop, and we would go there for coffee breaks and for our, our lunch, and the owner of the shop, as well as the guy who did the dishes, <laughs> they both played, and every single day we were talking about it, and then we were playing at night kind of thing, and so that had nothing to do with the story, that was just the joy of playing the game kind of thing, and I'm hoping some of that will be in this as well. I will say that some of the
0: most fun I've had with this game is grouping with other people and sitting on voice chat and laughing and just going through on a murderous rampage. So that part of it is still there. It's still got the the quintessential group dungeon crawler sort of, you know, fun to it, but I think that's what's going to keep me playing is just bouncing in with my friends. Like, when you get your game, I'm going to roll a brand new character and play with you. Um, I have friends in my my from my WoW guild, and from, I've been playing with a ton of people from Twitter. Uh, it's a lot of fun like that. And my friend, my best friend, just moved away for a job in Boston. We bounced to do a game last night with him and just was murdering stuff, and it was nice to sort of have that kind of, you know, time together. And it was kind of, like, that part of it, I really enjoy as well, and I think that's going to be... I think that part of the nostalgia is still there.
1: Okay,
2: Vince,
1: any parting yeah. thoughts? No, I, I think uh, that pretty well sums it up. Okay, okay, good enough. Let's move on to the other big news that was last week. And that was with the, the, <laughs> the for lack of a better term, clusterfuck going on right now <laughs> with 38 Studios. And Vince, I'm going to let you run through all of this. Okay, what an interesting <laughs> week it's been. Like, it,
2: I think it was, like, Tuesday when the first news article showed up. I was like, hmm, that's interesting. And then, like, over the next four days, it was just, like, one yeah. after another after another. It was, was like, how can this get
0: worse? <laughs>
1: A deluge of awful. <laughs> Especially that last video that I linked. I don't know if you guys got a chance to watch that one, but that was like the culmination yeah. of bad for me. That was like, oh my God, this cannot possibly get worse in terms, not just in terms of what's going on, but in terms of PR right now. Mm-hmm. So, uh to give some backstory, because
2: we really need to explain what has happened before we can talk about what did happen. Uh, as we all know, uh, 38 Studios, Kurt Schilling, Todd McFarlane, R.A. Salvatore, working on the Kingdoms of Amalur franchise. Uh, it started up in the Massachusetts area uh, as Green Monster Games, later later became 38 Studios, and uh, they just kept expanding with this concept of building this huge gaming empire out of the Amalur franchise. They bought up Big Huge Games, who was working on an action RPG, they retooled that action RPG to be set in the Amalur world, and that's how we got Reckoning earlier this year. And then they signed the uh, distribution deal with EA for the publishing of Reckoning, or at the time it was called Project Mercury. So the company was moving in a good direction for what they were doing. Behind the scenes, things were a little sketchy. Uh, According to Reuters, Schilling himself had invested $35 million out of his own pocket to get the studio up and running. That's, I don't care how many World Series you've won, that's a lot of freaking money. His wife's got to be like, you did what? (laughs) (laughs) And a game studio that doesn't want to fully partner up with a a big publisher like EA or Activision, they need to seek uh, investment from outside sources, businessmen, and and, and this sort of things. That wasn't quite working out for 38, so an interesting deal came about. Uh, Kurt Schilling and Darnold Carcieri, who at the time was the governor for Rhode Island, met up at a fundraiser and started talking. And came up with an interesting idea. Carcieri agreed to loan 38 Studios $75 million in exchange for 38 Studios moving their production facility to Rhode Island. Basically, it was an investment in the company to earn further tax revenue uh, down the line and just increase the overall wealth of the state. And to actually increase the employment In the Mm -hmm. state as well. Yes. Mm -hmm. As as part of the deal, it was to create 450 jobs over three years. That's good. And they also wanted to create sort of a community like we've seen in uh, Boston or Seattle or Montreal where you just get these groups of game development companies that pop up together in these these areas. And Rhode Island was really trying to make that their new thing. It was a a nice uh, prospect for economic growth. The problem is this was backed by the public. Uh, the the state didn't loan the money to 38 directly. They secured the funding through various banks and investors, but they were basically co-signing. Like, If 38 can't pay it back, we've got it. So this leads to some interesting problems because, while yes, investments are a good idea for a businessman, investing with public money, things get a little...
0: Tricky. Tricky,
2: Get yeah. There, there there, was a lot of opposition for this. Actually, regardless of what party they were with, every other uh, gubernatorial candidate to replace Carcieri was completely against this. Too bad it had already been signed in, but th- this was a big problem for Rhode Island because they had this concept of you know supporting local businesses with, with investments and this and that, and this deal used up half of that entire budget. So... It, it, it was I don't want to say sketchy or shady but it was definitely not on stable ground like they they, they did their due diligence they had uh, various companies come in uh, like Wells Fargo and strategy analytics to really look at how good how sound of a business decision this was and everybody gave it a thumbs up because it's video games everybody likes video games everybody's making billions of dollars off of video games go for it so the Rhode Island Economic Development Corporation, it, it was the group that really brought this together. Yeah. Uh, EDC is headed by the governor of the state, and it's a semi-public organization, basically. Uh, it, they're the voice of the public, but the public has no input in what they do. So <laughs> government <laughs> and bureaucracy at its best. Ta-da! So the details of the deal. Uh, it was signed in July of 2010 with the EDC and Carcieri, who was nearing the end of his terms as governor, uh, lo- agreed to loan the money. They received $13 million up front, with the other 38 to be distributed based on job creation and distribution milestones, such as signing that deal with EA. That was a very important. Okay, you guys have a distributor? Here's some more money to make a game. With another $24 million held in reserve, just in case things went bad. So. Good thing they have that money (laughs) Uh, as part of the agreement. They had to create 450 jobs over the three-year period. Uh, the, The milestones were 125 by November 2010, another 175 by November 2012, and then a further 150 by some point next year. As of March 15th, uh, through a public disclosure filing, 38 Studios has 288 full time jobs in the Providence area. So that puts them 12 short of their goal that they have to meet what did I say, five, six months from now. So uh, there have been a lot of uh, a lot of talk about, oh, they, how they promised 450 jobs and haven't delivered. They promised 450 jobs over the course of three years. So thus far, they have delivered on all of their promises here. Okay, if
1: I can interrupt there, where was it then? We had read also that someone f- from 38 Studios had said that it was still more uh, financially viable for them to yes. take the penalty and still hire outside of the state through some very very poor management on the
2: EDC's part the deal that they set up that with these jobs if they did not meet their job quota they would be penalized $7500 a year per person while well, $7500 a year is a hell of a lot less than you're going to be paying a developer on a video game so it there there really is absolutely no financial incentive 438 to meet these milestones. So they have thus far, but it was really, really stupid
1: legislation on Rhode Island's part. I, I should think that the incentive to do it is the fact that here's a state giving you a crap load of money, loaning you a crap load of money. Do the right thing and actually abide by the contract that you signed.
2: Oh, and like, absolutely, <laughs> that, that's true. And like, I just want to put out, thus far, they have. So the, the penalty isn't really a motivating factor at this point is what I'm saying. Yeah. All right. So uh, coming up to May 1st, 2012, they would made some smaller uh, prorated payments, but May 1st, 2012 was when their full first payment against the debt was due. And these are just small payments made in good faith. Like they, they know that, 38 really hasn't had that much income yet. They're not expected to start paying back huge chunks of this $75 million. Uh, as of May 1st, they had received a total of uh, a little under $50 million out of the 51 that they had coming to them out of the full 75. Like I said, there was some held in uh, reserve. So their full first payment was due at the to the total of $1,125,000.
1: Yeah, they didn't have the money. <laughs> they went and asking for more. <laughs> it's like freaking. It would to be a fly on the wall when the governor hears that. It's like, hold on, you owe us, but you want us to give you more.
2: So, yeah, at this point, uh, Lincoln Chaffee had taken over as governor for Rhode Island. And like I said, every single person running for governor that year was against this. So no matter who got elected, 38 was kind of screwed here. And like I said, the governor actually does head up the Economic Development uh, Corporation. So, yeah, they're they're not on friendly terms
1: here. So uh, (laughs) (laughs) when he asked him, would you ever consider something like this again? And he said, never, ever, ever again. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that that kind of
2: sums it up right there.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So earlier this month, uh, Schilling notified the board of 38 Studios that they weren't going to have the funds available to make the loan payment. At this point, they started uh, meetings with uh, the EDC. And like you said, this is when Schilling said, OK, here's the deal. We don't even have enough money to make payroll, let alone pay you guys back. So we need a little extra money. <laughs> so they they put up a big stop sign right there "Eh, eh, no 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 not happening things get a little weirder after this Uh, this was on uh, tuesday of last week on wednesday of last week the head of the edc keith stokes quit (laughs) resigned due to a private deal with the governor so uh, heads are rolling on this already on Thursday of last week, Kurt Schilling walked into the EDC and personally hand-delivered a check to them. And several hours later, the chief financial officer from 38 Studios called them and said, don't deposit that. We don't have... <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, you've ever made those deals with your buddies. We've all been there. I'm going to post-date this for a week from now. I'll have the money then. I don't know <laughs> the sentiment. You, I've never
0: made that deal with my friends. No and <laughs> it, it just gets so
2: bizarre at this point also on thursday kurt schilling uh the chief operating officer bill thomas and the chief executive officer for 38 studios were all removed from the company listings on the website now uh mclean the ceo had been on maternity leave since uh, early march so i don't know why they were removed because later in the day they came back i that doesn't I have no explanation for that, but it's definitely a thing that happened. They were removed from the company listing on the website as having anything to do with 38 Studios. I don't know if it was PR, I don't know if it was for privacy reasons, but
0: Maybe they maybe they quit and then came back. <laughs> I quit, I can't handle this anymore. You no, know, you know what? I, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay around. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, guys. Uh,
2: something happened because on Friday all of a sudden they had a new check that they did have the funds to cover. So Well they didn't pay their as... staff. So they yeah. used that money. <laughs> As of right now, uh, specifically dealing with the loan and the public funding of the game, 38 is okay. Paying their employees and stuff like that, uh, nobody really knows. Uh, And right now, like I said, for the deal and the loan, everything is okay. Uh, However, (laughs) November 1st, they have another payment of $2.6
0: million due. So stay tuned. (laughs) All I know is I uh, I have a friend who actually works for 38 Studios. Actually, I have a couple of friends that work for 38 Studios, and they are very afraid.
1: Well, no kidding. Again, you're looking at, they've got to pay a crap load of money now by November. Where's that revenue going to come from? Because The
2: governor claims that they should have the money to cover it now. That might just be him saying... Don't panic. (laughs) They'll be okay. But
1: I I don't... Unless they're planning some new DLC (laughs) that is damn good. Like, the sales have dropped on Reckoning, of course. It's been out for a little while.
2: Well, at at this point, the governor is heavily suggesting that Schilling go seek further outside investment. So they, they have another five months to come up with more outside investors without the aid of the Rhode Island government. But here's where things get really messed up. Let's assume 38 hadn't been able to make this payment. Somebody had to pay this money. <laughs> like I said, these, this was a group of investors, bankers. They, they're, they're not going to go buy on goodwill. They they want their cash, and they want it now. Well, if 38 hadn't been able to come up with the cash and defaulted on the loan, like I said, this was backed by the state of Rhode Island. So the taxpayers would have been on the hook for the full amount of the debt totaling $112.7 million over the course of the next seven and a half years. Wow. (laughs) Now... To that, they do have that 24 million set aside as their just-in-case fund, which 38 themselves don't have access to, but the government can use for paying off of the loan, as well as assuming things go completely pear-shaped, Rhode Island would own the Kingdoms of Amalore IP, which, while being worth nowhere near the <laughs> vicinity of 100 million dollars, would at least lessen something. Below, yeah, it's better than nothing. But this I, is just I, bad management
1: on top of bad yeah, management.
2: It, it, it's a string of bad decisions made from the government and corporate levels that have led to potentially regular people who have nothing to do with this being screwed. I, I don't know, honestly, where the money went. Okay, The sales numbers show that Reckoning sold 400,000 copies just in North America and I'm pretty sure that's not counting digital copies, because digital copies never count towards those initial sales numbers. At, let's assume, $60 each, because you know, PC was 50 but y'all said collector's edition, so let's assume $60 each. That's $24 million. Right now, there. I, I would really like to know how much of a cut EA took of that, because I said yeah. they, they, they distributed the game. So I... I am very curious to know where the hell that $24 million went, because that'll pay off several loans and a lot of paychecks.
1: You know where the money is going? It's going into the MMO as well. Mm-hmm. The fact that they are not... Just, see, this is where when I'm saying bad management, it's not just with the, the government who gave money where they shouldn't have. It's also squarely with 38 Studios oh, that did Somebody wanted to do something up. everything instead of... Put out the one game, make some money from it, move on to the next. Case in point, we saw that with Runic Games. They they talked a lot about the MMO, but they didn't actually work on it. Instead, they worked on one. Now they're working on two, and they're now they're even saying it, it might be a bloody long time before there's ever an MMO just because of how difficult it is. Meanwhile, here you've got, I'm, I'm going to say it. You've got some pretty big egos there as well, from some pretty big personalities, and let's just do it all. Let's just do the single player. Let's work on the MMO so that we can get the freaking MMO out. They're saying now June of next year. Right. That is, if it's possible. I have
2: no doubt it'll be on shelves. (laughs) Whether it'll be worth buying remains to be seen.
1: They're trying to do it all and trying to do it all way too fast so of course it's a money sink it's a mmos are a money sink any way you look at it let alone if you're also at the same time working on the single player that is that you're going to try to sell as a triple a title they they sunk way 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 too much money onto two projects that's where it all went
0: I, I tend to agree. I think that Roger's right on the money.
1: And now they're trying, freaking, it killed me when freaking Kurt Schilling was on Twitter and he's trying to get yeah. a video oh. to go viral. You, can, please, you can't, please help force us. Please, please ju- support us. So it's like, oh, come on, Kurt. You're, really? No, this
2: is not, no. Don't get me wrong. It looks really nice, but timing, dude. Yeah, really. <laughs> this, this is not. It's okay. <laughs> we paid off our debts. Look, we'll make you happy now.
1: <laughs> yeah. Next year. <laughs> Mark it on your calendar. All will be well. So, right. yeah, talk about your clusterfucks. This is absolute. Oh, I. It's... <laughs> uh, initially, especially when we were hearing some of the things and they were talking about the, the, the jobs, to me, that was the biggest thing. Now, I was glad to hear when you were saying that it's not quite as bad as what we'd initially heard, but man, that really pissed me off. Like, again, that you're the the. The government is good enough to help you with this. Don't screw them over. Don't screw over the people of Rhode Island either. It wasn't their choice, but guess what? It's their freaking money that you're using because that money could have gone to support another company or done something else to further improve Rhode Island, not just help you bail you out kind of thing. So this really disappointed me on all fronts. It was a crazy
0: week. (laughs) It's it's. I don't even know what to say to it. Like, I really honestly don't. Like, I'm with you on that one. Like, it's just, I'm looking at this and just kind of like watching it and just kind of staring slack jawed at everything that happened. I don't know. Like,
1: and uh, you know what? I maintain that. And it's what I was just saying. If they had worked first on the single player RPG, collected their monies from that, and then from there started working on the MMO. They would be much further ahead. Plus, potentially, they would have been able to find other backers because they would have proved that they they made a single-player that- game. It did well kind of thing. So, hey, now how about you loan us some money because we're working on this project kind of thing. 400,000 units is a significant amount of sales for a brand new IP. Yeah. So they could have worked with that. So, but instead, again, it was the, the, and it's, it's egos. I, we want to do it all. We want to prove that we can be, you know, freaking Blizzard. We can do it all. We got, we're, we're dripping money apparently. No, you're not. And, Look at it. It's biting them in the ass. And and it's so disappointing because they had the potential to do something absolutely amazing with that IP. And now I'm worried we're not even going to get many more DLC for Reckoning because, Jesus, how can they be working on that if they can't even pay their staff? (laughs) But
2: I want more DLC for Reckoning. It was
0: really good. Yeah,
1: well... Or maybe the, most of it's it. already done. That's how they're going to be making their money now. One <laughs> DLC at a time. <laughs> okay, let's move away from there and touch on some other games ever so briefly before we we get done. Um, Mark Hamill's coming back as a Joker. So those rumors of him being done with the Joker? Greatly exaggerated. In this case here is... You <laughs> he can't even call it rumors. Yeah. <laughs>
2: when he when he, he said himself.
1: Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he flat out said he wasn't. He flat out said he was. He he flip-flopped all over the place with this. So anyways, he's coming back as a Joker for DC Universe Online's The Last Laugh, which is going to introduce a whole crapload of new content for uh, as DLC for DCU, which is awesome. I think that's freaking cool as shit.
0: I agree. I think that's kind of awesome too because... I don't know, Joker's always been one of my favorite characters, and seeing him get some love elsewhere other than
1: just in the Arkham City makes me happy. And uh, so, yeah, and we're going to get uh, Harley Quinn back again, just to annoy us with that voice. And uh, Adam Baldwin's going to come back for some more lines for Superman. So this th- it sounds like there's actually going to be quite a bit to these, this uh, this patch, so that's kind of awesome. This DLC, I should say, not patch. Vince, you got nothing? Uh nah. nah. It's a free... <laughs> Freaking MMO, so you could do that, Mister. Yeah, but I'm not I'd have playing. To pay for this, so yeah, but you're paying for one <laughs> thing, which but works. But if, if it's I'm paying
2: f- for one thing in a game, I wasn't really that crazy about it
1: anyway. Right, fine then. All right, let's talk about Borderlands Two. I know you're excited about that. We Ooh. got a really cool question and answer, which answered some of uh, our questions in regards to what we can expect for Borderlands Two. There's going to be a lot of improvements to the game from what we from a, uh, a technical standpoint from what we had with Borderlands 1. They're addressing a lot of the problems that people had, um, whether it was Connections, voice communications, a whole bunch of different things. So they're they It's nice to know that again they're they are working on on all those things. And then there's a lot more customizations that they're talking about what we are going to have at our disposal to look a little bit more unique. And then they also talked about uh, the Macromancer, <laughs> which was, it was. I was a little disappointed that they're not further along in the Macromancer right now. I don't know about you guys, but it's like I was hoping that was a day one DLC. They always said it wouldn't be day
2: one. So. Yeah, I still have my hopes. <laughs> Listen, the biggest thing in here for me was ammo and money is now picked up automatically. Yes. <laughs> yes. They, they could leave Borderlands completely untouched and make that change.
1: I'd be like, okay.
0: I'm sold. <laughs> yep, absolutely. <laughs>
1: So yeah, a lot of cool stuff, and then they did announce their collector's editions that they are going to be putting out. One of them, complete with a replica Borderlands loot chest. already pre-ordered
0: mine. <laughs> did,
1: did you really? Seriously? Yeah, actually. Oh. yeah
0: seriously. Uh, actually, uh, correction, I pre-ordered it as a birthday gift for the missus. Because she saw that Is that kind of like Homer buying Marge the bowling ball? No, no. She saw that, she's like, I have to have it! Because it comes in that it comes in that awesome loot chest with everything else, yeah. So we have we're going to have a copy of this in the house in that loot chest.
1: It an is. I'm an sure awesome it'll fit your decor nicely. I'm sure it will well with the milk carton crates, <laughs> the, the empty beer. Well, cases. we don't have a
0: couch, but we have this awesome replica Borderlands loot chest.
1: So uh... Can I sit on it. Okay, Joe, go ahead and tell us what's in each of these uh, copies or the uh, versions. All right,
0: so the Borderlands 2 Premiere Club, you get your Gearbox Gun Pack, which is a collection of unique guns, the Golden Key, which unlocks a rare in-game item, and the Golden Sanctuary Loot Chest, that the works. Vault Hunter's, yeah, I know, <laughs> the Vault Hunter's Relic, which boosts your gear hunting fortune. So basically, it's like having a fortune shrine all the time. Um, the Necromancer character class available after launch can also be purchased if you do not pre-order the game. So basically, you just get the character class as part of your premiere thing. So then that is the, uh, sort of like the standard one. Uh, the Vault Hunter Collector's Edition is a copy of the game, a Marcus Kincaid bottle Bob head. Yeah. <laughs> which is actually kind of cool. Yes. Um, inside the vault, the art and design of Borderlands 2 book, which I think is going to be awesome. A sticker set, which... Who the fuck gives out stickers anymore? Really? Seriously? Apple. <laughs> Apparently, but they give it out for... No, no never mind. Um, so then you have Map of Pandora, uh, a download code for the digital comic, which I think is kind of cool, and an unspecified bonus downloadable in-game content. Probably the Mecromancer. Just going to throw that out there. So then you, that, uh, is, the, that because, is the $99 collector's edition.
2: Because getting the $99 collector's edition, you automatically get all the stuff from the Premier Club, so maybe I, I don't know
0: I, think it's you know, I, doubt, else, I yeah. doubt
2: that unspecified bonus is going to be the microcromanncer you never know else.
0: okay so then you have the ultimate loot chest limited edition <laughs> uh everything from the deluxe vault hunters collection collectors edition uh with a replica loot chest yes steel book case uh creatures of Pandora ID chart which is actually kind of cool like it's it's <laughs> it's like this giant scrolling map of all the creatures like in sort of like this evolutionary like Sort of like roaming type of thing. Uh, lithographic postcard set, uh, field notes from Sir Hammerlock, the cloth map of Pandora, and a numbered certificate of authenticity. Um, yeah, honestly, I think that's <laughs> a good So it'll be cool. worth something. <laughs> it will potentially be worth something, or it'll just be a game in a really cool box. Either way, ten years from now, you'll walk into Pawn Stars with this, and they'll offer you five bucks. <laughs> Sweet! It'll be five dollars that I didn't have. But no, seriously, like it, it's kind of a, it's kind of cool to see like the varying levels of uh, of the collector's editions there. But yeah, I'm kind of really excited about that damn loot chest. I'm sorry, I really
1: am. You know what's funny is that again, if you look at it in terms of in comparison to all the other hundred and fifty dollar. Uh, collectors that has a statue of something. This I prefer this, <laughs> the, the freaking loot well, chest over the, and plus you get a bobblehead. You get you get a statue. You get a bobblehead. It should have been a claptrap though. We all know that.
0: It should have been a claptrap. Yes, that's my only disappointment with it.
1: I I don't know why they would have gone with this instead of a claptrap. They had them laying around. Yeah, I'm disappointed. Anyways, so Vince, I'm taking it. You're just getting the regular old digital deluxe. Yes, dilute. I will get the standard. With the pre-order because I gotta have that fucking key. I might do. I gotta know what's vault in the box. Hunters. I might do the vault hunters. What's collector. in the box? But I'm not spending an extra fifty bucks for a loot chest, as awesome as it is. I I can't I can't justify fifty bucks for that. Then again, I with my luck to be just like the VIP vendor in Star Wars with Dick to really offer nothing. Up. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking, dude. That's why
0: I'm a little worried. Okay,
1: let's touch a little bit on Dragon Age Three. Vince, go ahead. So. As we've seen, Bioware is doing an awful lot uh,
2: of communication with their fans about the future of the Dragon Age franchise, and as they've announced, they now have what they're calling a question of the month, where once a month they're just posting an open question to their fans, giving fans a week to respond, and then just kind of seeing what people are asking about. Uh, For example, this month's question to the fans is, what kinds of things would you like to discover and learn about in the Dragon Age world? What would you guys like to see?
1: I'd like to see, well, which is something that they did say we're, we're quite likely going to see in Dragon Age 3. I want to see other zones. Mm-hmm. I, I, I very much want to yeah. see other zones, and not just a little. I want the entirety of the story to take place in that other zone. And then what they can do is, when they are putting out their DLC, which again, that's a, a certainty, we know that, when the DLC comes up at that point have some travel between the two areas kind of thing so that you know it ties it all in somehow or whatever but i want i want to explore whole new zones learn about that culture entirely it'll still have that dragon age feel but will be it, it'll also still feel new and fresh because there should still be a lot of cultural differences between the two zones kind of thing so that's what i would love to see
2: yeah, I will screw agree with that. The stupid Frenchie's in Orlé. I'd actually like to see more about, like, you know, Taventer or you know, some of these more extreme uh, outliers of the world.
0: No, I agree absolutely because I mean, they have a complete world there. They have a complete, awesome world to explore, and yet we've been kind of tucked away in this one tiny little corner of it. I'd like to see more of that world. I really, honestly
1: would. What's funny is that when I was reading about this too, I don't know if you guys felt the same way too. It really kind of felt like. We're kind of running out of ideas for what to put in bio. We don't know what to do. Industry. Please help. What do you guys think we should put in our game? And it's like, hmm, it's all well and good to ask for you know, your, your, your players. What, what would the largest opinions? amount of you pay us money to see? Yeah, really.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, is it, is it that or is it really, we understand that another branch of our company fucked up big and we don't want to fuck up big.
2: Well, I don't think so. This branch of their company did, did as well.
0: exactly score a home run with
1: their last game. Yeah, I don't think that's it. I'm sorry, but it's, it, it really does feel a little bit too much like they're going to be pandering to the loudest of the Internet community, which is not what you want to do kind of thing so I would rather they have a good grasp on what the story is that they want to tell and go from there and then learn from the mistakes that you've made as well so I mean it's not like uh, Gator's an idiot he knows how to tell a good story so tell a good story learn from what the, the mistakes were made with Dragon Age 2 and then let's see what you can do with 3. So unless they're talking about just like minor things in the background or side quests or things like or, that. Or, then, PCs, yeah, or PCs, the DLC, then yeah, then fine. That's then that's awesome. Then if you're actually listening and you're you're hearing what the people want, then yeah, that's good. But uh but hmm, I, I certainly wouldn't be relying too much, especially on the forum communities for that. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you're just asking for trouble there.
2: Uh, oddly enough, 75% of the
1: replies wanted to know more about Alistair's ass. Yeah, really. <laughs> Dragon Age 3, now with 75 more ass. <laughs> Faucets. All right, let's move away from there and talk a little bit about Elder Scrolls Online before we end it. Vince, go ahead. This is interesting, and honestly, I'm
2: not too sure how I feel about this yet. They're talking about Elder Scrolls Online, and how they're going to offer what they call, well, not what they call, what is, an Elder Scrolls experience in an MMO. And by Elder Scrolls experience, they mean giving the player the amount of freedom they're used to 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 be the one true hero, which you can do in Skyrim, Oblivion, et cetera, et cetera. Well, it's really, really hard to be the one true hero in a game with thousands upon thousands of players. So their solution to this problem is that the primary storyline of the game will be 100% solo. And I don't mean you can solo it like in just about any other game. No, it's a solo-only deal. Like,
1: they're taking several of the M's out of the MMO experience. This is what Guild Wars did. This is... I mean, that's what yeah. Guild Wars 1 was. You, I mean, it, granted, let me clarify that this is going to be a little bit uh, different in terms of it's only going to be your class-specific questing that's going to be solo. The rest you can kind of mess around with it with other people whereas with guild wars it was whenever you left town it was solo but i mean if you spent any time playing guild wars you're very used to this kind of thing and quite frankly we're seeing it still in other games as well where you're getting phased content i mean christ wow does a ton of that too so phased content to me is nothing new and certainly is not going to be holding back this kind of mmo in my opinion
0: yeah, uh, it's going to be holding it back for me because this is one that where, when Guild Wars does that, I wasn't paying a monthly subscription for Guild Wars. So when I had my, you know, solo experience, it wasn't so bad. And with WoW, there's multiple, multiple instances where you're interacting with other players. So it is still an MMO. This is basically their, to me, what it sounds like, and I could be wrong, and I really hope I am, is they're just trying to take uh, the Elder Scrolls series and attach a monthly fee to it. And that's what I think is really rubbing me the wrong way, and that's where I'm getting out of this, is that's kind of like the way they're leaning. We want to give you an Elder Scrolls experience, really, or do you just want to have a single-player game that people are paying you a monthly fee to play?
1: That's not what I took from this
0: at all, myself. But but that's that's the the, the line that they're currently skirting, if you think about it. Uh, The minute they start talking about pricing, the minute they start talking about what the subscription is going to be for this MMO, that's where we're going to get the truth of it. Because if it's going to be an entire single-player experience with limited multiplayer interaction, why the fuck am I going to pay a monthly fee for that? And that's what I'm waiting on. I'm waiting for that. It's, It's basically the other shoe. And that's what I'm waiting for. I'm waiting for that other shoe to drop so I know what the fuck is going on. Because you can make an Elder Scrolls game and have it be absolutely amazing and engrossing and fun. I dumped countless hundreds of hours into Oblivion, countless hundreds of hours into to all the entire franchise, really. And that's cool, and I'm okay with that. But if you're going to make an Elder Scrolls MMO, it better be an MMO, and it better be worth whatever you're going to charge for that subscription fee. Again, Guild Wars can do it, because they're not charging you a monthly rate to be in their damn game. You can have that single player experience because you're paying a one time fee to play that content that you're purchasing. And that's okay, like that makes it okay. And that's what I'm like I'm just I'm on that edge. Sorry. Rage,
1: rage about it, but you're making a <laughs> lot of assumptions here too. They didn't say that it's all going to be solo content. Your entire story is going to be single player. Your personal story, your quest line. It sounds right. Like. Your personal mentioned... quest line, but that—that's a, typically a small portion of your questing experience. Really, because that's usually
0: that's usually a pretty big part of any Elder Scroll story. Mm.
2: Well, I'm looking at it in comparison to say the Old Republic, which had these very personal stories that every character went through. However, in the older public, sure you you amassed power, you became a Darth, you know what have you a, a Jedi master. but your role in the story, was still tied into what's going on in the shared world of the game, and that's the difference I'm getting from the way they're presenting this. Your role and your story is you, and then the shared portion of the game is completely separate from that. I'm feeling a disconnect here that I didn't. It's with a the removal, game, of the like MMO. say, uh, the older public. So I, I, I am definitely concerned for the direction they're moving in, though I'm not, you know, spitting on my monitor about it. Yeah, like others, yes.
1: I actually am just going to withhold more of my, my rage and opinions until we actually get more information. I think we just, point blank, have not gotten nearly enough. I mean, this was an ever so brief little interview thing, and the game is still well into development, so I think that there's still a, a, a lot of information that we need to get before we can start getting raging about it, in my opinion but you disagree, but that's all right.
0: Hmm. My opinion's my opinion. Fine. I stand by it.
1: Okay, yeah. And you've never been wrong. All right, with that. Your opinion was spend... that you were never, ever going to play Mass Effect 3. Yeah. <laughs>
0: And I got a free copy, so I played it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. Put it, yeah, say
1: that. Okay. Anyways, we're going to call it a wrap for tonight, folks. Thanks for joining us. Of course, we will be back next week on Monday, same time, same place. And I will, uh, I don't know, I'm going to stop talking and start back again in a second when I know what I'm saying. Oh, I was going to say, you can find us on Twitter at For The Lore. And then if you have any questions or emails or whatever, send them to ForTheLore at gmail.com. Okay. There you go. I'm done. I'm not even editing that crap. I'm so done editing that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry Whoa. if you have to edit out my clicking. Jesus, if I'm not editing out that stupidity from the end, I'm not bothering with your clicking. That's, that's <laughs> small potatoes in comparison. This is me needing codeine and cookies right now. That's what this is codeine and cookies. Yes, I can
0: support this. <laughs>
2: A few weeks back, when talking about Terra Online, I mentioned that I'm pulling the plug on MMO subscriptions, and I thought I'd take a little time to talk about why and what this decision has taught me about today's online gaming scene. First of all, I have nothing against MMOs. I've happily played and paid for many games over the years. Hell, my entire involvement here at For the Lore is solely due to relationships I developed in the World of Warcraft community. A game I paid for monthly for the better part of 6 years. But now, things have changed. The amount of time I spend working or with my family is relatively unchanged from a few years back, but the things that I want to do with the time I have left have. Nine years ago, when I first started playing MMOs with Final Fantasy XI, the $15 a month, while an expense, was still a value for me. The time I was putting into that game, and later World of Warcraft, meant I was buying less games overall. Looking back, I now realize there also happened to be less games I wanted to play at the time. Sure, there were plenty of good games out, but the must-buys were fewer and farther between for me. Gaming was popular, but it hadn't yet become the big business it is today. In the last six months alone, I've purchased and played Skyrim, Reckoning, Diablo 3, Mass Effect 3, Final Fantasy 13 2, and numerous smaller games. That's a lot of time to dedicate to games that I really do want to play while still getting value out of my subscription for The Old Republic. And that's what this decision comes down to for me. Value. With all these other games to occupy my time, as well as work, family, and two podcasts, there was still just enough time left over every week to feel I was getting value out of my $15 a month. Of course, that's assuming I did absolutely nothing else with my free time. If I wanted to sit back one night and watch a baseball game, read a book, or just watch some videos on YouTube, I felt like I was on the losing end of the formula. Then it happened. The beta revelation. In a short period of time, I tested the waters on two upcoming MMOs, Guild Wars 2 and Firefall. These two games would provide the persistent online world and ability to play with friends that I enjoy without the subscription fee. Even if these games aren't out yet, it changed my perception of what's worth my time and money. Of course, free-to-play MMOs aren't a new thing. It's just that prior to this point, they've either been developed on a budget, lacking many of the features I'm looking for, or failed subscription games finding a second life in a different market, but still carrying many of the subscription-based ideals that I no longer find appealing. Steep leveling curves, long travel times, content for the sake of content instead of serving a purpose in the game world. I'm done with it all. Its only purpose is to keep you playing the game and paying the subscription. That's not to say every MMO is guilty of all these things, But everyone has these measures to some degree, and I went along with it happily for years. The travel time gave me a chance to chat with my friends, the content filled up a boring day off. All I'm saying is I appreciate a game with more direct design now than I did a couple years ago. Look at an upcoming game like Elder Scrolls Online, which promises 120 hours of gameplay just to reach the level cap, not to mention everything else an MMO promises beyond mere leveling. Once, I would have loved the prospect of spending that much time with a game. I spent the same amount of time with Skyrim, no problem. However, Skyrim carried no financial obligation, and I was free to spend my time however I wished. That's what I want from my games these days. Freedom. And that's what many gamers out there want as well. Despite what many MMO fans may think, the majority of gamers just aren't interested in games with a subscription fee. Why would a company releasing a game limit themselves to a minority of consumers in a market that's overwhelmingly dominated by a single company? If more companies follow ArenaNet's example and release a full-featured MMO, minus the subscription, they're opening themselves up to potential new customers in the market and setting themselves up for larger success. More importantly to me, there will be games I'm more willing to play. So I sat down, got everything set up, went to log on to Skype, and double-clicked on Diablo 3. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, muscle memory already. <laughs> <laughs> I'm killing Imperials. Girl, 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 you're gonna set me on fire. I just want my goddamn story. <laughs> oh.
2: I had a great moment with my girlfriend yesterday, because she she had just finished uh, Normal Mode, and she's like showing off her gear. She's like, yeah, these are the boots that dropped off Diablo. I was like, what? She's like, these boots. I was like, you got them from where? <laughs> and just the look of horror on her face. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, you didn't know? Like, of course I know. It's on the fucking title.
0: <laughs> As Roger is just like, I'm flying
2: in space. Stop shooting at me. What the hell? Your girlfriend's competing with us?
0: I. She's entranced by torchlight.
2: She could play it, but she's streaming. That's unacceptable.
0: <laughs>
1: she's streaming while we're doing this. Yeah, I know. Jesus I know. And I had a freaking yellow mace for my engineer, and it was like <laughs> all I needed was five more strength to be able to equip the bastard. And it's like that's it. You're done. And I didn't realize right away. I just kept killing shit, and I'm going, God damn, when am I gonna level? Holy crap, those last <laughs> few freaking points are taking forever. And then looking, it's like oh, it's maxed out. It's not going any higher. Son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Screw you, (laughs) Tart! You're never coming on this show again. Ever.
0: (sighs) She's uh, grinning because she has her uh, engineer. I don't think she cares. Oh. Up, oh, she uh, she just said uh, middle finger up to Roger. Okay.
1: Oh, oh, nice, nice, bitch. <laughs> Be nice.
0: <laughs> <laughs> don't do not talk ill of the woman. I
1: will if I want to. I will. I middle <laughs> finger you back, foul <laughs> wench. Of a woman. Take that. (laughs) (laughs) All of of my middle fingers (laughs) are belong. (sighs) Uh,
0: This is gonna be a while. (laughs) (laughs)
1: toes and so. <laughs> <laughs> okay we can start now <laughs>
0: so what was that
1: why did you have to say something I would have edited like, it out. Is he gonna do it, is he gonna oh, do it? <laughs> we've only been doing this podcast for how many years now <sighs> all right but the majority of the, uh, the time, did you notice how I didn't make reference to the noise there, Joe? That's how you do that.
2: But yesterday,
0: this girl was in my arms and swore to me she'd be mine eternally. And Marie's the name of his latest plane.